0: Hi, welcome to the podcast. I am Joe Posnansky, and with me is Michael Shore. Michael, welcome.
1: Joe, thank you for having me.
0: You are what, that, was, that was not convincing. No? No. I thought no. it was. I didn't, I, I felt, I didn't feel it. I really didn't feel it.
1: Alright, I'll try to do better next time.
0: Next time, you know, because as you know, people are, are, are paying close attention to that. We're going to talk baseball today. We're going to talk the World Series. Very exciting uh, draft day. Uh, but first, you know what, you know what time it is, Michael, do you know what time it is?
1: No, I, I really don't. <laughs> I actually don't. I have no idea what you're about to say.
0: It's time for our, our, our conversation about the uh, Dollar Shave Club.
1: Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I sense again, so much excitement. Um, I, I don't, I, here's the thing about the Dollar Shave Club at this point. Why? Why, why, why are they still like letting us do this? Why?
1: It's unclear. That would seem unclear. unclear.
0: I'd like for somebody from the Dollar Shave Club to call me and explain' Because I just expect every week for me to just you know get ready to do the podcast and somebody to call me and go uh not only are you guys not allowed to like do the ad um they're getting a restraining order for for both of you and you are not even allowed to use their product uh whatever town they're in, you're not allowed to go to that town but but it never happens. they never call do you think?
1: Serious question, do you think we could get a PR representative from the Dollar Shave Club on the podcast and do our first ever interview where we just ask them like what were you thinking? What were you thinking? And, like also like did we what did we do what you thought we were going to do was this when you listened to it, were you happy? Do you think I'm not kidding. I feel like we should do an interview, our first ever interview, yes. where we just get someone who represents the company on the show yes. and just ask them like a bunch of questions about the history of it. Why did you make the decision? What was it about your advertisement strategy that led you to this decision? How much did you regret it once you made it? I, I really feel like we should do this. I feel like the public, this is a public service situation where the public has a right to know why this happened, and and whether or not the company thinks that it got its money's worth.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's sort of like like when they do like those TikTok uh, stories about like disasters, like how they happened. You yeah, know, like well, how did that building blow up? Well, this is you know this is how. Um, so anyway, the Dollar Shave Club. Um, <laughs> they send you shaving stuff, uh, the the razors and the handle and. And all that stuff. Every month, they send you a box. Every month. And, uh, and you can, and by the way, there are different kinds of razors you can get. You can get like the, sort of the cheapest razor if you, if you don't care, or if you want a little bit more of a, of a luxury shave, I, I guess. Uh, you go for the higher end, uh, razor. But even the higher end razor is not expensive. It's, 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 they, they, they it's, it's very affordable. You get the box every month. Shave all you want. Uh, Then the next month another box comes. If you go to DollarShaveClub.com, type in slash Poscast, you get your first month free. Give it a shot. That's it. That's the best I can do.
1: Are you? I'm hearing a lot of weird, like clicking and like like scuffling sounds. It sounds like you're opening a box of Dollar Shave Clubs (laughs) live on the air to see what's inside it. Is that not happening?
0: I I, 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 wa- I, wanted to see what exactly I got uh, <laughs> this month.
1: I, or maybe I'm just hearing things. Maybe no one else heard that. But I heard a lot of like click, pop, crunch, like rip. I heard It sounded like you were opening for the first time in your life a Dollar Shave Club box to just see like I don't – as if you were saying to yourself, I actually don't know what's inside this. I'm going to take a look.
0: I've, I've only done 20 of these commercials yeah. and I still don't really even know what it is. Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. I don't. I mean, look, the the, the possibilities for terrible um, uh, audio problems are always there. Sure, on the podcast. Uh, so I would assume that's what it is. I'm not blaming the Dollar Shave Club for that at all. Uh, they're good people. They're good people. They what give. What if we major- found
1: out right now that somehow the Dollar? This is like a crazy long con, and the Dollar Shave Club has been secretly sabotaging the podcast for like five years, <laughs> and. <laughs> They they're the ones who are responsible for all of the technical problems. They just have a vendetta against you and maybe me. And they and now this is like the end game where they're like, we're gonna now make ourselves a sponsor, and then like at the end of the sponsorship deal, they will like reveal themselves as the saboteurs of the podcast from day one. That would be amazing. You'd have to give it up. You'd be like, all right, guys, good work.
0: I would. That would be that would be no. There would be no bit of bitterness at all for me yeah. if that was the case. I would honestly go. Good for you
1: guys. All right. You, you did it. You pulled it up. <laughs> <off.
0: laughs> you totally, you totally <laughs> did that. Um, all right. Well, there you go. That's it. That's all we got for Dollar Shave Club. So we're going to go on to our, our draft. We're going to do something uh, a little bit different, but, but, but I think cool. I'm very excited about this draft. Um, as everybody knows, we just ended an, an incredible uh, World Series, incredible postseason. The whole postseason was so awesome. Uh, baseball. Uh, all of these incredible young players on display, every team basically in baseball seemed to have one, at least one, you know, incredible young player, whether it was Corey Seager, you know, or you know, with the Dodgers or Manny Machado with the Orioles or, you know, the Cubs and Indians and, and, and Red Sox had a bunch of, I don't know the blue Jays Do the blue Jays. I guess one of their young pitchers maybe. Um, but yeah, it's just an incredible postseason. And, uh, and, and so it came down to a Game 7, an incredible Game 7. So, so what we are going to do is we are going to draft stuff from Game 7. That's right. right. That's it. That's basically it. We're drafting stuff from Game 7. Uh, and I have the first pick, which I'm very happy about.
1: And just uh, to remind you, uh, we're, we're flipping fourth-round picks this draft.
0: We are flipping fourth-round picks uh, because of a trade that we made two weeks ago uh about what was that trade do you even remember what we?
1: i mean does it does it really matter
0: (laughs) no it (laughs) does all right first pick in the draft um is going to be very personal i look at so many good things happen in game seven that that i don't see any bad picks out there i mean it's just an incredibly deep draft uh but i'm going to take a very very personal pick leaving for you probably the 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 greatest thing that happened Uh, but i'm going to take it anyway and i have no regrets about doing this I'm going to take the Rajai Davis home run uh, in the eighth inning because um, even though it ended up not being decisive at all in the game, um, it is one what made the game special. I mean, it took the game from being a very good game, an interesting game, and entertaining game into the stratosphere. Um, the Indians were down three runs when the inning started. Uh, they they cut it to within two when 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 Guyer hit a double that, that nobody could have possibly expected. And then up comes Rajai Davis to face a roll as Chapman, uh, which is, you know, if you, if you had a stratomatic card, like if you were playing that game in stratomatic, uh, your, your chances of getting a hit would be zero essentially. Um, so a Chapman against Rajai Davis, tribe down two runs, eighth inning, and he hits the home run. He yanks a, a Aroldis Chapman fastball right down the line for a home run. Um, And I will tell you this as a Cleveland fan, and this is even after the Cavaliers uh, win the title. It's the single greatest moment of my sports fan watching life. The single greatest moment. And the reason it was is because Cleveland was dead in the water. That game was over. The series was over. There was no way they were going to score three runs on Chapman, even if Chapman was, was shaky, which I kind of thought he would be. They're still not going to score three whole runs against Chapman. The game is completely over. I'm at basically zero percent of you know energy level. And then he gets the home run, and I'm up at a hundred percent. It was the like the most surprising, wonderful, uh thrilling turn of my entire life. And obviously. Uh, They end up losing the game, and and there's the emotions that go with that. But I will always hold on to that Rajai Davis home run. It's the greatest moment. Uh, So that's my first pick.
1: It's a great pick. I mean, you were texting me in the seventh inning of the game saying, who's the MVP? Is it Bryant? Is it uh, Schwarber? Is it Lester? Is it whoever? And I said to you, this game isn't over. The Cubs need to score another run if they're going to be really safe. You laughed off. My uh, my silly foibles. And then <laughs> I was I had the last laugh. Uh, when uh, Davis hit that home run, it was an amazing, it's an amazing moment. I mean, it's an eighth inning game tying homer off a dominant reliever in the seventh game of the World Series. It's the thing you imagine and dream about when you're a kid. Uh, it was incredible. And and what really made it amazing is that even though Chapman was gassed and he had no he had nothing in the tank, at one point he threw ten out of twelve pitches were sliders because he just had no fastball left, which is crazy. Uh, you still didn't think they were going to be able to string together a bunch more hits, right? It's like they had already gotten a few, but it's like at a certain point, it's it's hard to get a bunch of hits off any pitcher. And even, you know, a, a Chapman operating at 40% or something, you still didn't think like, okay, they can get a single and then another single and then maybe a walk and then a double They had to have a big blow and that, and that he actually did that Chapman put that fastball or whatever it was in the only place Davis was going to hit it, which was down and in, and he somehow kept it fair. And it was one of those things where when it happened, it suddenly seemed inevitable. It was like, yeah, this is where, where this game has been going. It's where the series has been going. It was an amazing moment. I don't, I think it's a very good pick. I, it was going to be my, my first pick. I actually, I figured you would take it, but it was going to be my first pick just for the the sheer drama of it was so intense.
0: It was so wonderful, it really was. And you know, it, it's so interesting with Chapman um, because he was gassed. There's no question he was gassed, and a gassed role to Chapman we now know, and we might never know this again because he'll never. I don't think he'll ever get used like he was in this in this series. Um, a gas Chapman throws 98 miles an hour. That's, that's right. That's, that's what it is. I mean, he's, when, he's, when he's completely
1: done. When he's got nothing left. When
0: he's got no, if you woke him up on Christmas morning and said, hey, man, let's go outside and throw, he would throw 98 miles an hour. That's, that's right. basically what a gas Chapman
1: is. It feels like one of those deals where when he's when he's 79 years old and playing in an old-timers game, <laughs> he's going to throw 94.
0: <laughs> he's. He, I mean, the point is he throw hard.
1: Um, wow. All right, for my – first pick it's not a, a it's not a, a play that was the you know was had as much drama in in that way but it, for me it was the defining moment of the entire Cubs run I'm just gonna pick Chris Bryant fielding the grounder yeah to end it. Um, for the simple reason that when I watched the first replay of it I thought to myself is he smiling <laughs> as he's running to field that ball I mean he, this is a this is a crazy play the tension couldn't have been higher. It's a hundred and eight years of of weight on everyone's shoulders. They had they had blown the lead. They went up by two in the tenth inning. They then gave a run back on a on a walk and a and a stolen a defensive indifference, and then a single by the self same Rajay Davis. Now the tying run is on first base with two outs. They've got a guy in the game who has never recorded a save in his professional career. <laughs> Luckily for them, they had swapped out uh, Martinez for uh, Coco Crisp for a defensive yeah. reason. So the game came down to one a, a truly bad hitter by Major League standards. And then he hits a ball that is not a sure out. It's not an easy one hopper to second. It's a slow roller down the third baseline. And Chris Bryant comes running in, fields the ball, throws to first, slips while he's throwing the ball to yes, but the whole time he's smiling it's one of the craziest things i have ever seen the ball got hit to him and he's such a cool cat that he was like oh i'm gonna make the w- the final out in the world series this is great like he's like he's completely relaxed and at ease in 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 the most insane moment in the history of the cubs franchise and that fact alone just how happy he was and how easy it was for him to make a not easy play. It's just, it's the thing that Cubs fans are going to watch on a loop in real life and in their dreams and 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 memories for the next hundred and eight years. And it's such a wonderful example of that. Uh of of that moment. It's a guy smiling, thinking it reminded there was a thing that it immediately reminded me of, which was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the first time that guy won a million bucks, on the million dollar question. He used his phone a friend thing, and the question was was which president appeared on Laugh In, and it was you know Richard Nixon and then three other people, right? And he used the phone a friend thing, and he called his dad, and he, and his dad said, "What's the question?" He goes, "Oh, I don't need the answer. I'm just calling to tell you that I won a million dollars," which is was such an amazing move. It was such a great moment in TV. And that's what Chris Bryant's smile was to me. It was like, oh, I don't, don't, nobody worry. I've got this. I'm going to throw the guy out. This is wonderful. We just won the World Series. He's having that thought before he reaches yeah. the ball. It was so great. I loved. I loved. It's a, the perfect punctuation mark on the end of a very long sentence for the Chicago Cubs franchise. Uh,
0: it was. It was incredibly cool. It was incredibly cool. It's like. It's like he. You know what it was like? I mean, it, it, and the Who Wants to Be a Millionaire thing was so awesome. And it's just like that in, in, in so many ways. But it's like you find something out before everybody else, and you get to be the one to tell them. That's like, that was the look. Yeah. like It was like, hey, the Cubs are going to win the World Series. I can't believe this. I get to tell everybody. And instead of telling, you actually just field the ball and throw across the diamond. Um, it was pure joy. And, and honestly, you know, and, and I say this, you know, as a Clevelander, that team is pure joy. That, that I mean, really, honestly, the one thing I don't like about that team is Chapman. I right. mean, I, I didn't like that they they acquired him, uh, off-the-field stuff, but everything about Chapman just didn't seem to fit. Obviously, it helped them very much win, and, and I guess that's what it's about. But that whole team is so – I mean, there really was – you know, they're down 3-1, and there wasn't any of this – Oh yeah, here we go again with the Cubs. They didn't even care. They didn't care about the Cubs thing. They did, it it had no effect on them at all. You know, I mean, it had no impact whatsoever. They're all just they're all winners. Everybody on that team, they don't know anything but winning. You know, and and so uh, it was the perfect ending for them. I mean, it was it was really really cool. And 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 it's a good, it's it's the right pick. It's the right first pick. All right, my second pick. Uh, I'm gonna go off the field for this one. Um, it's gonna be the moment uh, right when it ended, and the camera flashed over to Theo hugging his kid and his wife. Um, I just I thought that was that was really really cool. Look, Theo didn't do this by himself. There there are a million people that were involved in in the Cubs winning. Uh, he wasn't even really he wasn't even the GM. I mean, that's Jed was the GM, and 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 you know th- this is. This is, it's so tempting when you have a guy like Theo who is so charismatic and has such a great history and obviously has ended one, you know, long-standing drought already uh, to give him all the credit. I'm not doing that. But what I am doing is Theo Epstein went to the Cubs with this idea in mind of how he was going to make the Cubs into a champion and he just did it. He yeah. just did it. I mean, it's. You know how many people, I mean I mean through the years, how many people came to the Cubs with that same idea? You know, dozens, dozens of people came through the years with the Cubs, smart baseball people, good baseball minds, with the idea of how to turn the Cubs into a winner. None of them could do it. He did it, and and he's such a I, I really do believe this. He's such a good person and he's such a uh, he's such a joy to be around. Uh and and you know he didn't need it. He didn't need this. He's already in the Hall of Fame for what he did with the Red Sox. He did not need this, but this just puts him in like the branch Ricky stratosphere, right? I mean, there's just like you're you're listing off the people who have had the largest impact on baseball teams, not not as players or as managers, but on impact on teams. And you know, he's he's first ballot right now already and he's he's still young and and I, I just love that for him, he's very good about like not showing his emotions and not taking credit and all of those things. But there was that one moment where he's hugging his kid and he's hugging his wife and he's like, Man, we did this. We did it. <laughs> I I just love that. I just loved it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's the the only there's basically one argument against him being I don't know. It's hard to say who's the greatest GM of all time.
0: Oh, no, I'm not saying
1: that. No, I'm I'm saying that. I'm I'm saying. <laughs> I I think I could probably argue it. It's hard. It's hard to compare him to Branch. I mean, what does it mean? There's a difference between being a guy who won a lot with. Moribund franchises and a guy who literally broke the color barrier in right, and, right? and like, invented
0: like, the farm system. Yeah. Yeah. I mean,
1: like it's, it's apples and oranges, but the, 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 basically the only argument against him at this point of being, if not the greatest of all time, then one of the three, four greatest, whatever, is that he's done it in two cities with a lot of money, right? Like sure, yes. he's done it in, in two with two franchises with rabid fan bases who have a, are big market teams. They play in big cities. They have big TV contracts and they have a lot of money to go get good players. But to me, that argument is that argument holds more water when you're talking about the Red Sox. When you're talking about the Cubs, so many of those guys are so young and were yeah. drafted by him and his lieutenants, and were developed by him and his lieutenants. By the way, in a system that he upended and then and re- sort of prioritized what they how they want people to play in their organization. And I mean, you gotta you gotta have an incredible hit rate over the, a very small amount of time in order to pull off what he pulled off and think about the guys in that team on that team right now who were under 24 it's, oh insane. it's insane i mean it's that so many of their players are recent draft choices and <laughs> the the scouting that he did and the hit rate of his draft choices is insanely high and there's there's Jed Hoyer and there's a bunch of guys on that team who obviously also deserve a tremendous amount of credit but he showed up there and he said, here's what you do. Leave me alone and let me do it. And then he did it and it worked. And that is just – you're right. It's insane. It's its wonderful. He should just – I feel like he's got to get out of the sport, right? He, the, he can't – I don't know what you do. Now. I think you go to the Browns. You go to the Cleveland Browns and you say, I'll try football. Or you go to, you go to the English Premier League and you say, I'm going to take over West Bromwich and, and try to win the Premier League or something because he can't do anything else that would be more remarkable. I mean, even if he went to San Diego or Seattle or a team that's never won the Rangers, I guess, but like, it would not the same. It's not the yeah. same as an old original franchise. That's 108 years removed from its last moment of glory. They, and also everyone's going to forget this. They hadn't made the world series. No, since, <laughs> since 45, they hadn't even been in the world series in 70 years. So it's, it's so he just blew he is a guy who shows up he takes a couple years he rebuilds things the way he wants them to and then he just destroys expectations yes the the, the most sky high expectation that red sox fans or cub fans could possibly have they were obliterated in record time and you know he took over the red sox the next year they lost game seven of the alcs in dramatic sad fashion the year after that they won the world series then they won it three years later then he then in two thousand thirteen with a team that he largely put together they won it again like he doesn't just it's not a Diamondbacks two thousand one situation where they go out and they buy all the best players they win it and then they dismantle the team or the Marlins in two thousand three or whatever this is a guy who who completely changes franchises and structures them in a way where they they then become good and this Cubs team is going to be good for so long <laughs> yeah
0: mean, they really are for they're so
1: really long are. they're going to be so good for so long it's wonderful I love that pick. Uh, I'll go on the field. My second pick, I'll pick the David Ross home run. Oh, yeah. Uh, So the Cubs are up 5-1. Inexplicably, Joe Madden pulls Kyle Hendricks. John Lester comes in. John Lester throws a wild pitch that hits David Ross square in the face and ricochets a mile away. And as soon as it happened, I said out loud, that's two runs. Because you just saw the way the ball caromed. You knew that Lester... Wasn't going to be able to get over there. Ross was staggered and fell backwards. And you just knew that was it. Kipnis was on second. He was a good base runner. He's coming home. There was no question in my mind. It was two runs. So the Cubs managed to hold the line. And right after that, then and, and and progressive field is going crazy. It's 5-3 now in the sixth. This is a ball game. Uh, David Ross comes up. He's, he's 40 years old. He's retiring at the end of the year. The only reason he's in the game is because of Lester coming in. And he's facing Andrew Miller, an unhittable pitcher, and he hits a home run to dead center in the seventh game of the World Series. And then basically, for all intents and purposes, retires. Like, you know, <laughs> he basically hits a home run in game seven of the World Series off the best relief pitcher in baseball and says goodbye and walks off the field. I mean, it, it you, it's a storybook to the point where, you, where you'd be uh, ashamed to write it. Yeah. Uh, and and right after he let the he essentially he didn't let those two runs score but those two runs scored with him catching in an embarrassing way and then to hit that home run and put the cubs back up by 3 i it, i mean you know you saw how the cubs feel about that guy with the way that they carried they literally carried him off the field on his on their shoulders after the game you know like statistically the what the 24th most important cub in terms of like his offensive abilities and and his and his all-around play in uh, you know in the box scores you would say and yet the entire Cubs team was like that that guy's our dad like there's a bunch of 22-year-olds and David Ross was their dad and they were they were so happy that he did that and that he carried them to that win it was, a, it was such a wonderful baseball moment
0: oh it was so beautiful you know and uh, I, I won't say my favorite but my favorite part is just David Ross getting that that sent off that you just that's That's the way it should go for a guy who is universally loved and all that. But one of my sort of quiet favorite moments was, you know, he was miked for that game. And Fox, you know, Joe Buck uh, over at Fox goes, and here's David Ross. Here's what he had, you know, to say after he hit the home run. And they, you know, show the home run and, you know, the, the microphone sound so you can hear the crowd. And he runs around the bases and he doesn't say anything. <laughs> <word>. <laughs> They're like, yeah, there it is. He's not say – We're glad they mic'd him to, to get nothing from him at that point. Uh, but that's David Ross. I mean, what's he going to say? Woohoo. I mean, that's just, you know, the guy. There's no question in my mind that David Ross went home and, like, changed diapers, right? I mean, that's yeah. like, that's who David Ross is. He's just, he's a guy. We'll, we'll see David Ross. David Ross should just be like, not on the podcast, he'd just be a regular. He's just a guy. He's just David Ross, you yep. know, so, so awesome. Great pick, great pick. All right, my third pick, I'm moved to go with uh, a play that's just never going to be remembered, uh, but, but was really fantastic, and that was the Francisco Lindor uh, play in the ninth inning uh, that would have scored the, um, the go-ahead run. So you had a situation where um, I guess you had uh, – uh, what do call Dexter Fowler was at the plate, yeah, and on third base, I guess was Hayward. Hayward. Jason Hayward was on third, yeah, and Fowler hits it up the middle. And you know, this is something we we have discussed and we will continue to discuss. Hits up the middle used to always be singles, right? Always, like every time. Hey, somebody hit it up the middle. That's a base hit. That's never a base hit anymore. Ever. There's always somebody standing there somehow. Uh, but Lindor was not really standing there, so he just kind of glided over in his own mystical magic carpet way, caught the ball and then threw out Dexter Fowler by like less than a millisecond. It was just nothing, you know? And it was such an amazing play. And what I what I loved about it was he did it so effortlessly. There was not one... Look, I love watching Javier Baez, the, the Cubs second baseman. But everything Javier Baez does... Has flash and 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 it's cool to watch. And people always say, "Oh, he's so much fun to watch because he's so flashy and and he'll make routine plays look exciting and all that." Lindor is wonderful in the way he doesn't do that at all. He he's just he's got like this economy of motion about him. Uh, he plays with incredible joy and energy, but like there's this there's nothing extra there. So he just rolled over, caught the ball, made the throw, gets Fowler. Uh, just as the time, to- the go-ahead run was about to score, and it was just a beautiful little play, and they just ran off the field, kind of like all right, let's go, let's 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 try to score the game-winning run. Love that play, in large part because what's not to love about Francisco Lindor, right? I mean, just what's not to love about that guy?
1: And let's not forget that that was the half inning after the Indians had tied the game, right? That's right. So they tie the game. I thought the Cubs had to score a run in the night that they were dead because it just felt like one of those. One of those things. It's like if you don't recapture the momentum immediately, you're in trouble. Right. And the moment that ball was off the bat, I was like, "Oh, that's Dexter Fowler running." There's no, that's a single to center it and, and Fowler. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was the the word is effortless. He plays short the way Mariano pitched. Yeah. Just like it's just so quiet. Everything is so quiet and fluid. He just does things that you can't believe he's doing without without seeming like he's breaking a sweat. Yeah. I thought when he threw Fowler out, I thought, "Oh, that's the ball game. They're going to scratch together. They're going to get a walk, a stolen base. Uh, you know, Chapman's done. You know, they're going to move to third on a bunt and come home on a sack fly or a single, and that's the ball game." I really thought that was it, and as it as it turned out, the rain delay is what what helped them. I think it was like sure. they all took a deep breath and whatever. But I I really thought that was the game. I, I it was an amazing play. That was going to be my next pick, um, and so instead of that, I guess I'm going to pick. Another play that that people have talked about but aren't going to really remember, which is uh, Albert Almora tagging and moving a second on the Bryant fly ball to center. Yeah. That play, which, I mean, 99 times out of 100, that guy, that base runner is standing on second or close to second and waiting to see if that ball's off the wall so you can score. Almora judged it perfectly. And by the way, talking about a rookie, he – He's like their top prospect. He barely played in this series. Like starting starting next year, the Cubs have another super prospect who's going to be playing with him every day. He goes back and tags and moves to second on that fly ball to the wall, which then causes the Indians to walk Rizzo, which then allows Zobris to hit that double that scores the go-ahead run. wasn't ultimately the winning run, but the go-ahead run. That was an amazing play. That's just an amazing play from a, like a 21-year-old rookie. Who's barely played in the majors? I could not believe. I mean, they took advantage of the Cleveland outfield arms all game and all series, but that play was so, so smart and so heads up. And it really set in motion all of the things that led to the Cubs winning. Like, I, I, that was just, I couldn't believe he made that play. There's obviously another base running play that will, someone is going to pick. But to me, that play was the more impressive play coming as it did from a guy who's so young. And on a play that almost no one in Major League Baseball in that scenario makes because all you're thinking about is if I score this run, we win. And the fact that he hadn't rounded second and wasn't heading towards third, that alone was amazing. But that he had the presence of mind to tag up and move to second was incredible.
0: Well, and there's there's another one that had a great replay where they show the replay of him. Um, he's off the bag and he starts running to second and he gets about three quarters of the way to second. And you can see the moment where he's like, oh, he's catching that ball. There's just no doubt in my mind. And he runs back full speed to first base. He already, the second he thought he's catching that ball, he thought, I'm tagging up. And he races back to the bag and takes off. It's, you know, that is that is really one of those. In that moment for a kid who has not played very much at all in the major leagues, in that moment to have those, that kind of baseball instincts is insane. You know, yeah. it's insane. I mean we've said insane plenty of times, but but that really is there's no explaining how somebody has that kind of baseball instincts at that age.
1: Alright, so now I get the fourth pick as we switched, so I get to pick again. So I'm gonna go with another base running play. Actually I'm gonna combine two of them into one. Okay and say Chris Bryant's base running in that game uh, wasn't was outstanding. Outstanding he scores from first on what amounts to a long single Yes, um, running, and they they even highlighted this in the replay. They said this is the most perfect you can run the bases. Like the, the angles he took, those long strides, the way he rounded second, the way he rounded third, the way he slid. It was a it was like if the, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, the shortest distance around the bases is what Chris Bryant did <laughs> in that in that run, and more impressively, he tagged and scored on uh, Russell's fly ball to center which was like a fly ball that I could have hit it was like a medium not even medium depth it was it was no, like a sure. shallow fly ball to center it was a I read somewhere it was a 235 foot fly ball to center and he scored on a on a major league outfielder i mean it Rajay Davis doesn't have the strongest arm in the world no. but he is a major league baseball player and sure so many people do not attempt that and he he saw that he just made up his mind he was going to do it and he tagged and scored and it was like let's keep the pressure on these guys make him make a perfect throw he didn't make a perfect throw he scored that run and that it's one of those things where like as if it weren't enough that chris bryant has otherworldly power and an incredible eye and as a, a really good defensive infielder. Oh, also, he's maybe the best base runner in, in the <laughs> National League. And that was totally on display. I could not believe that he scored that run. And then that scoring from first on, I guess it was Rizzo's uh, single to right later. Uh, and he was running with the pitch, but it was still, I mean, it was a perfect route. He just, they just executed it perfectly. It was really impressive.
0: Well, I just don't think people, uh, you know, had any reason, unless you watch the Cubs every day, to appreciate this guy's an incredible athlete. I mean, he's just an incredible athlete. I mean, he's not, he's fast, but he's like, you know, somebody made this point on Twitter, and I agree with him. It's kind of like Larry Walker was, when Larry Walker was like a really, especially in Montreal, where he stole, whatever, 30 bases and, and hit 30 home runs and did all that. He's like that. I mean, he's, you think of him as like kind of a, he's a huge guy, and he's got great power, and power has come first. And he's not a huge stolen base guy. I think he stole like 11 or 12 this year. Um but he's fast, yeah. And he's and he's just got the 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 you know, like you say, the dexterity. That round it was perfect. It was, you know, I always said the best base runner I ever saw was a young Carlos Beltran. I mean, the way he would run from first to home was like that, and he was it was he was incredibly fast too. But he also had like that perfect because it does. It's not just knowing how to do it. You have to. Your body has to be able to make those turns, you know, and your body has to be able to sort of go into the base and slow down just enough, but not, you know, not slow down. And, and, and I mean, it was, it was amazing. The the fly ball that he scored on was one of those, here's, here's what struck me about that play. It was too shallow to score on, and it was not a perfect throw by, by uh, Davis at all. However, that shallow, a perfect throw You you shouldn't need a perfect throw. It was good enough. I mean, it was on a line. It was high, but it was on a line, and it wasn't close. You know what I mean? I mean, he was in way ahead of the tag. It wasn't like it was a bang-bang play. He was in, like clearly in, and that's pure speed and also surprise. I mean, I don't think that Davis got the throw off as quickly as he, he wasn't really in position to throw, uh, as he caught the ball, there was a little bit of confusion between him and Coco Crisp on who was going to catch it. Um, but it was it was brilliant baseball. And, and Chris Bryant's your your, NF, your National League MVP, and it won't be his last MVP uh, because he's that kind of player. He's he's got incredible power, and he's going to keep you know putting up incredible offensive numbers. But he's he, just does, everything. he yes, just does
1: everything. He really does.
0: He's incredible. All right. That's a, that's a great pick. Both of those are great picks. Um, with my fourth pick, I've kind of got a couple of different ones. Um, one is sort of more of a fun, goofy one, but I, I don't, I, I think it's, I think it's sort of ideal in, in a lot of ways that we waited uh, this long uh, to choose the Ben Zobrist hit that actually broke the game open. <laughs> um, sort of, Fits Ben Zobris' career, right? I mean, it's like there's just even though people know Ben Zobris is a good player, he just sort of gets overlooked. And and Ben Zobris has had an incredible career. He's a he is he has been a great player. Not just a good player, but a great player. I don't know if he's a great player now, but he's very, very good. He's the perfect guy for the Cubs. That was that was the pickup. Everybody pointed to Jason Hayward as, like, the pickup that was going to sort of save, you know, make the Cubs, like, take them to that next level. Hayward had a, a very, very disappointing year and a horrible postseason, but Zobrist was Zobrist. He was incredible, and the thing I love most about Ben Zobrist is whoever had gotten hurt on the Cubs, it turned out to be Kyle Schwarber who got hurt. But anybody who got hurt on the Cubs, he would just replace them. He would just put Ben Zobrist in his spot. So, all right, Colin Schwarber, you need a left fielder? Fine. Ben Zobrist plays there. But if Javi Baez gets hurt, you can put him at second. If, if uh, Chris Bryant gets hurt, you can put him at third. He plays everywhere. He does everything. And that at-bat he had was just sort of a sort of a classic Zobrist at-bat. I mean, he just he he totally worked the pitcher and then slashes it opposite field down the line, uh it's that's the that's that's who that guy is i mean you know he's he's your he's your you know uh, mvp for the world series um he's been on two consecutive world series winning teams where he played a huge role in both of them um you know he's one of the great players uh of our sort of time that nobody really thinks that much about but he's he's he does everything
1: it's, he's he's the key to the whole team. Yes. And he was all year in many ways, and he's it's wonderful that he was the MVP because guys like him never win things like MVP awards. Right? <laughs> and, and, but you're right. He was like, oh, there he is in left field, and then it, and if Baez had continued to slump or something, it could have been like, oh, he's playing second today. <laughs> uh, he could have played first. He's probably their emergency catcher. Like he's just one of those guys. Who does everything well? He's a great, he's a really good hitter. He's a really good base runner. He plays every position. He holds the team together. He's a really good fielder. He, you know, had a viable MVP argument when he played in Tampa Bay a few years ago. He did. And there were people who were saying he should have been the MVP. Uh, and it, it was just, it was wonderful that he had that moment to say, because all everybody who plays with him, I guarantee you, knows how great he is and knows how important he is um, to that team. But it was just wonderful that he got that moment because he deserves it. Um, no, it, it is crazy that and, it, and in fact it goes to show you how little he's respected that he is the eighth pick in this stick. exactly.
0: Exactly. <laughs> the kind of, fourth round to get
1: that. <laughs> it's kind of fitting. Um all right, for the last one, uh I could go Fowler's leadoff Homer. Sure. I could go the wild pitch. I'm gonna pick one that's very, very weird. But it was sort of it was sort of symbolic of how wonderful baseball can be and, and how Insane games like this are in the postseason. I'm going with the fact that Carl Edwards Jr. started the 10th <laughs> inning. Uh, you know, every like he Madden pulled Hendricks early. Some people are politely dancing around whether or not that was a good decision. I think it was pretty obviously a terrible decision, sure. especially knowing how much he had already used. Uh, Chapman, um, Lester, on you know what on his like you know between starts throwing day. Had given them a certain number of pitches. He brought Chapman in in the eighth. Uh, it, you know, it was uh, he, he was he was gambling like crazy, and he ended up winning. That doesn't mean that it was a smart gamble. Kendrick's right. pretty clearly should have pitched at least another inning. The walk that he gave up that ended up leading him to be pulled out of the game. He had thrown strike three on the on the fifth pitch of the at bat. It was a very so, obvious missed strike call by a home plate yeah. ump who missed a bunch of them. I think twelve or thirteen. Uh, strikes were counted balls. But so what? He walks a guy. He's not pitching. He's pitching really well at that point. And that set in motion a chain of events that led to the Cubs relying on Carl Edwards Jr. to start the final inning of their what could be their first World Series win in 108 years. I can only imagine the panic, not only in the minds of Cubs fans, but in the mind of Carl Edwards Jr. For goodness sake, don't do that to this young guy He's a 24, five-year-old rookie. He's got a great arm. He throws 98 like everybody in baseball suddenly does. But sure. for goodness sake, the amount of pressure on that guy. And he, he pitched pretty well. I mean, he he struck out Napoli on a pitch out of the zone that Napoli swung through. And then he got a second out on a fairly tough, fairly hard grounder to Addison Russell. And then he just collapsed. It was like yeah. he you could see him thinking to himself, I have, I have to get another out or else we don't win the World Series. And that's not what you should be thinking. And he he couldn't find the strike zone and he gave up a walk. And then Rajay Davis, who suddenly is like the best hitter in baseball, drilled, absolutely drills a single to center and scores that run. And then they had to pull him out of the game and they brought in Montgomery and Montgomery got the out. But it just is was so wonderful. It was so crazy and unlikely and wonderful to see Carl Edwards Jr. standing on the mound with a two-run lead in the 10th inning of the seventh game of the World Series in a year where the Cubs were trying to win and get this monkey off their back. It, I mean, I, I, you know, God bless him. He did a really good job uh, considering everything. And and to get that first strikeout was was something he'll never forget. And he, you know, it, it was remarkable. It was just a remarkable moment to see. Because I, I was texting you at the time going, who pitches the 10th? Who pitches, who pitches? <laughs> and then you texted Edwards, as I saw Edwards standing on the mound, i it's just you can't believe what you're looking at. And it's like it's all happening in slow motion. And uh, it was just a, it was a, it was symbolic of how crazy that game was that that's where we ended up in the 10th inning.
0: So how soon after Carl Edwards Jr. entered the game? Do you think Hector Rondon and Pedro Strop called their agents? <laughs> like, no. like instantly, like oh, no, 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 I don't think I see a future for me here. I really I mean, you know, wasn't Rondon. Why it, was it not Rondon? He he is he's lost complete faith in both those guys. Just complete. I mean, it's one thing to to lose faith in guys. It's another thing to go, yeah, I'm going for the kid. I'm just I'm not even I'm not even. Thi- I've got a two run lead. I'm not going to go with Rondon. I'm not going to go with with Pedro Strop. So. Uh, yeah, both those guys. That they're gonna have to completely rebuild that bullpen because it is very clear that there are only like three guys in that entire bullpen that that uh, that Joe Madden has any faith in at no. all. I mean, even even I mean, you can't you can't go to Rondon later and say, you know, it was just a feeling. I mean, it's basically you just just pack your bags because you you have no place here. It's the seventh game of the World Series. Uh, we are down. We are up two runs, and I went for some kid who is, you know, it was who I think is going to be a very good pitcher because, like you said, he's got great stuff. But, but wow, that was that was amazing. All right, that's a that's a great pick. Um, for my fifth pick, I'm going to go with a goofy one, and then and then I have a question for you to, to sort of end the draft. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the incredibly weird, fun, Kyle Schwarber stolen base early in the game. Sure. Okay, so he just he just took off, and here's what, what struck me about that. So the game is going. Kyle Schwarber is not fast. I think we all know. Um, he's on first, and and at the time, um, uh, Kluber was pitching. So it was early in the game, and Corey Kluber was pitching, and he Kluber is holding the ball, and he just took off. He just literally just ran for second base, and Kluber never turned around uh at all i don't know if anybody was yelling at him or if he was he was already sort of in his motion in his mind or whatever i don't know what was going on there Uh, but he never turned around so he pitched the ball and it was basically a stand-up stolen base for kyle schwarber which will be the last of his career he'll never have another one like that and here's what struck me about it that's what i thought the indians should do to john lester every single time right not it's not just hey take a huge lead just run! What's he going to do? He clearly has shown he had that fielded, he fielded that ground ball and had a very, I wouldn't call it an easy play, but for a major leaguer, fairly easy play at second base. He didn't even think about throwing the ball to second base. He he ran to first. He did, bobble the, he did bobble the ball. To be fair to him, he did, he did bobble it. He was never going to throw ball that ball to second base, yet. right? I mean, I, even if he fields it cleanly, he did bobble it a little bit. He's not a good fielder beyond that. Um, but, and that's fine. Look, I'm not, you know, this is, this is, it's a real problem. I mean, the yips are a real thing and, and I don't, it's not like I, I glory in it, but you're trying to win baseball games. Why would you not just take off, just run just exactly what Kyle Schwarber did? Uh, I just thought that was, it was cool. It was weird. It was funny. Uh, it didn't end up having any effect on the game. He didn't score or anything. Uh, but I just thought that was one of those weird things that happen in baseball every now and again. We're like, what? What was that exactly? Like, and then you think, well, why don't more people do that? Especially for for pitchers that don't have a move or or have you know or like Kluber so focused that they can't. You can't just pull them out of that focus. Seemed like a pretty cool play.
1: I would. I definitely don't. I didn't understand it. Uh, I went to the game at Dodger Stadium with Lester uh, pitching in the in the NLCS and the Dodgers. We're getting huge leads and then not running. And I don't right. understand Going why. Back. Ross did throw a couple guys out who tried to run. He's, he had a really good arm or whatever. And and Lester does a pretty good job of varying his leg kick and whatever. But like you're saying, why not just start running? Like, wait. Right. We'll let him come to the set and then just take off. He I, I don't know what he would do. Uh, I mean, it, it was weird. It was a weird... There must be a reason for it, uh, I, but I don't know what that reason is. Uh, and it, I thought it was weird the Dodgers didn't run more, and I thought it was really weird that the Indians didn't run more, uh, not only on Lester but on a bunch of their guys. I, I thought they they played themselves out of what should have been an advantage for them, which is they have a lot of really good base dealers and good runners on that team. But you know, I mean, it, it was it was a great series. It was an amazing series. Every one of these plays, we didn't even mention Fowler's leadoff homer again. We didn't we didn't really mention. We could have pitched that wild. I mean, that wild pitch that scored two runs. How about Jason Kipnis scoring from second on a wild pitch? That, That's exactly right. How many times do you see that in baseball? It was a wonderful series. It was as good an advertisement for the game of baseball as I think you could possibly have, uh, and that made me really happy.
0: It was so great. It was so great. Okay, here's my final question. So All this right, is my main. final bit. Tenth inning, uh, the, the Cubs have a runner on third base, um, and to, uh, Tito goes to his bench to bring Michael Martinez into the game to replace Coco Crisp. And this is, you know, this is, it it played out this way. It didn't have to, but it did. So he basically, Coco Crisp can't throw. So he has no arm. Uh, In stratomatic terms, he's like a plus three, okay, which means you basically add those numbers to the guy's chances of scoring. So if they're a 1 to 16 to score, they'd be a 1 to 19. That's basically what Coco Crisp is. He can't throw at all. Michael Martinez is an infielder. He doesn't have a great arm either. It's probably a league average arm, maybe. So it's a zero. You know, it's like a league average arm. Do you make that move? Knowing that if they score a run, there is a pretty good chance Coco Crisp's spot's going to come up next inning. Or it needs to come up. Not that it will come up, but that there's a pretty good chance if you need to score a couple of runs or one run or whatever, you're going to might need a hit from that spot. And Michael Martinez nice, you know, whatever, he's an out. He's, a, he's just an out.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think what I would say to that is there's a reason that the Indians got to the seventh game of the World Series, and it's because Francona managed every game in like the moment the in, in yes. to, to win the game they were playing and to win the moment that was about to happen. And yes. so maybe you don't make that chance, but he'd rather lose the game having gotten out of that inning without giving up a run. Even if Martinez didn't didn't factor in, which he ended up not factoring in, but he he would rather not have left any, uh, any bullet, uh, in his gun, and and that's the that's the way he managed all, all the entire postseason. It's the way he managed really the season, you know, bringing in Andrew Miller in the fifth inning and and you know, winning an entire game pitched by his bullpen and yeah. and pulling guys when he pulled him and pinch hitting guys when he when he hit him. And, you know, in the moment, like, you know, you're if you start thinking about like, well, if we need X, Y and Z down the line, Martinez has to hit. Uh, Yeah, but if you don't prevent this run from scoring, you probably don't have that chance anyway. So, I I mean, I I would never to me. It's it's so much more forgivable than like the Zach Britton thing where.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly how Zach Britton is going to affect the game. If he comes into the game, you don't know anything about Michael Martinez, whether he's going to come up in a key situation, whether he's not. I, I feel like that's a very defensible move. I I'm sure that he does not. That's not on the list of things that he regrets.
0: No, uh, at all. But don't don't get me wrong. I'm not second guessing Tito at all. I'm not I'm not in any way. I, I thought he managed a great game. I thought he outmaned Joe Madden. I thought Joe Madden made a lot of moves that didn't have to work. You know, it just it it played out. But Joe Madden to me, him pitching uh, Chapman in Game Six of 5 runs is indefensible. It's just an indefensible yeah. baseball move, you know? I mean again, even knowing hey, you got to win the game, that that's an indefensible baseball move and it could have cost them the series. So, I'm not saying that in that way. What I'm saying is the chances of the ball getting hit to Michael Martinez in a situation where he could conceivably throw out the runner seems to me to be so small that that I'm not again I What you want from Terry Francona is go 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 at all times, Um, do whatever you have to do to win. You know you're going, you're going, you know your situation, and you're going. Hey, I've got to, I've got to throw everything I can into it. I get it. I'm not sure that Michael Martinez is like a. It's I don't think that's a very big advantage. I I just don't. Yeah,
1: no, you're not. Obviously, you're right. I mean, it's not that the chances of him impacting the game are actually arguably higher. As a out at the plate in the future than they are as a, as saving a run. In. Right,
0: that's all I'm saying.
1: Yes, no, but I th- you think you're from a, probably right. From
0: a, look, at some point you're just throwing stuff against the wall, and you have to. If you're Tito, you come into a series without your second and third starter, with your fourth starter basically being a real wild card, uh, with everything kind of a you know just up in the air. You're you you've got to throw everything against the wall, and I get it. That was part of the Terry Francona managing style, and I'm all for it. I'm just saying that if you take a deep breath and look at that particular play, because nobody really is questioning that. I mean, this is, it's, it was just such a small part of the whole series, but it was something that struck me when they did it. I'm like, that just feels one step too far for me. I don't see it.
1: I have a question for you before we go. Final right. question. Someone tweeted at me and said, I'm surprised we haven't had a podcast gloating about actually calling the World Series matchup and result this year. Did we do that? Sure we did.
0: We we do that every year.
1: No, we, we but at this time, out. I think the way this is phrased, it makes me feel like we actually did it. Did we actually predict Cubs? We, and-
0: definitely, we definitely picked the Cubs. You might have picked the Indians and I picked the Red Sox. That might be what happened. Um, yeah, it, it, might happen. it might have happened. <laughs> it might have
1: happened. <laughs> <laughs> we joke about this every year that we just use revisionist history and claim that we predicted it. But I feel like so can someone tell us can someone tweet at me and say did did we actually do this i i'm too uh lazy and incompetent to go back and actually listen to whatever wherever that podcast is if we actually did this if you can clip it uh then we'll look like geniuses so do that that would be great yeah we
0: we, we just want to look like geniuses that's all <laughs> that's really what it's all about <laughs> awesome you know what the best draft ever just oh easily draft
1: ever. easily yeah. the best draft ever no question
0: awesome well, thank you again
1: all right thanks